Welcome to episode 8 here on Captives of Truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Olivares, and what a privilege it is to be joined with you all again. I hope that you all had a blessed uh, weekend and um, you look forward to listening to today's episode. Um, today's episode is a heavy topic, as you've probably seen uh, by the title. And uh, today we are going to be tackling this heavy subject, and I say we because I'm not alone today. I have a special guest who will be joining with me um, on this topic, on this uh, particular issue. Um, you have no idea how difficult it is to talk by yourself here in the office, and uh, you're practically looking at the walls, and uh, you're looking at the cabinets, and you're trying your best to keep composed and pretend like there's somebody listening to you when they won't be listening to you until the episode comes out. Uh, well, today, my guest here is, um, um, it's, it's quite a bigger challenge than uh, the regular rec recording, uh, because my guest today is my own brother, uh, Pastor Joshua Olivares. And um, Pastor Josh, I believe, is uh, one of the best fits for this particular subject in regards to discussing the existence of God, as he dealt with this um, in one of our youth conferences um, as a subject, where a lot of um, uh, people signed up for his workshop and listened into his um, proofs of God's existence. So today, he'll be joining me, and um, it's a privilege to welcome him here on the podcast. Pastor Josh, welcome uh, to Captives of Truth. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and um, you know it's Pastor Josh because he's opened it up with the three hellos or the <laughs> three amens and all that. Um, so thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, Pastor Josh, could you kindly just give a little brief introduction of uh, who you are, um, maybe how you came to the Lord, and just uh, just give an idea to the people of um, who's speaking to them today. Yeah, um, there's nothing really interesting about me besides the fact that you know I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, and um, I'm 30 years old, and uh, I'm one of the lead pastors of Christ-Centered Worship Church, and by God's grace, I'm now leading um, the Tagalog service uh, every Sundays at 1.30 in the afternoon, and I also uh, hold uh, Tagalog Bible studies, uh, which starts at every Friday at uh, 5.30 in the evening, and um, in regards about how I came to know the Lord, um, as many of you know, uh, who attend this church concerning about my testimony, how I came to Christ. But other than that, uh, for those who do not know about my testimony, um, I was actually the black sheep of my family. And uh, I have caused tremendous pain uh, for my family. And for those who have been listening for the past few episodes, um, when Pastor John was dealing with uh, his life story and testimony, uh, me and him were never actually close uh, to begin with. I was very abusive. I was very manipulative. Um, but because of the grace of God and him saving me uh, from my sin, um, the Lord changed my heart, has given me a new heart. I experienced being born again. And as the scripture teaches, uh, if any man be in Christ, his uh, brand new creation, the old has passed away and the new has begun. And because of this, uh, due to the Lord's grace and his forgiveness that was bestowed upon me and has given me mercy to become a pastor uh, in his vineyard, which now I have been pastoring for the past 10 years and I'm hitting the 11th year in my pastoral ministry. And... Uh, yeah, other than that, I'm about to get married in three months, and uh, just want to give a shout-out to uh, Aina Ominga, uh, my fiance, uh, if ever she's listening to this. So, yeah, that's about it. Wow. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you guys, and um, shout-out to uh, Aina Ominga for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing at what the Lord has done in your life by His grace, um, and it's important for our people to know who's, who's listening. Um, who's exactly talking uh, to them and to hear the fact that God saved you uh, out of the pit that you were in is amazing and um, for me right now just listening to your voice brings me uh, memories of your radio voice on CKJS which you're popularly known for um, if you don't know every person that listens to Pastor Josh he had a, a radio program 
on a, a 8 10 a.m on ckjs yes. um, and that was at nine in the morning every time mm-hmm. and uh everyone that listened to him thought that he was the he was some colonel sanders um <laughs> old senior caucasian guy yes and um they have no idea that he is an Asian Filipino. Mm. Uh, well, he's a Filipino guy, uh, young, and um, yeah. And so, <laughs> the voice, the voice brings back great memories. And so, also, I just want to warn you: um, if last week you were listening to our episode, and um, in the latter half, maybe two thirds is through, you started hearing a little vacuum or a loud vacuum in the back. I apologize. <laughs> Um, because uh, we have um, cleaners uh, in the background. We need it. <laughs> and um, uh, I don't know if it's on purpose, but it seems like every time I'm recording, uh, <laughs> oh dear, the, the vacuum you are is bad. the vacuum's on. Uh, but anyway, I'm just stating facts that if you ever oh, hear you uh, the slamming or anything like that, that's because <laughs> there's cleaners in the back. You're bad. Um, but anyways, that's not the topic tonight or today, uh, when you're listening. Um, today we're dealing with the topic of the existence of God. Yes. And uh, this is a crucial subject that I believe many believers should be equipped in understanding at least um, the reasonings and the concepts of how to defend um, the existence of God. Um, this is a debate between atheism and theism, mm. which, uh, again, atheism denies the existence of God, whereas theists uh, believe and are for uh, the existence of a God or God. And again, with, in the category of theism, there's, it's a diverse, um, a diverse subject which has many beliefs in it, there's polytheism, monotheism, all sorts of theistic the, um, beliefs. And so um, for us Christians, it's, it's um, important that we establish where we stand. And I think prior to top, talking about the existence of God, I think, Pastor Josh, you would agree that it's important to establish who we are as believers, who, uh, that, Christians. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So as Christians, Pastor Josh, um, are we monotheists? Are we polytheists? Um, do we believe in one true God? Um, how do we incorporate that with the belief of the Trinity? Mm-hmm. Um, as Christians, what are we? Well, as Christians, we're definitely monotheists. Um, it's very clear in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, in what the Jews regard as the Shema, that uh, the Lord is one. Um, so definitely we are monotheist, but we also want to expound what we mean by monotheist. We do not mean that when we say that Christians are monotheists, that yes, there is one God, but we do not mean that that one God is referring to just one body of God. But rather, we talk about the one being of God, and in that one being of God, um, there are three distinct persons who are equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, uh, coexisting, and uh, this is known in the Bible as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, Pastor Josh. And it's imp- it's so important um, for us Christians, and I hope if there are any Christians who are listening to this podcast that you understand where you stand as a believer. You are a monotheist, Trinitarian uh, believer, mm-hmm. believes in one true God, three distinct persons, again, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what we're trying to defend. And I know many of you, uh, come across many arguments, whether it be with an atheist or um, common believers as yourself, and you come across questions like, um, where do we stand? Who is this God? Can we know God? How do we know the Bible is inerrant? It's givenly, uh, sorry, given divinely by God, inspired by God. How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God in comparison to the Quran or the Book of Mormons or everything else? Right. Um, but I think it's very important to establish first understanding the existence of God, mm-hmm. um, especially in, again, in, in, in debates with an atheist or just a conversation with an atheist. Um, we, we know atheists and we know friends who are atheists. And atheism is not something that is minute nowadays. It's, you can agree that this is a subject that is actually um, or a belief system that is actually common today, yeah. um, especially with um, uh, this equality movement and everything that's happening today. Right. Um, atheism is much more fitting to people who don't want res- uh, who want restraint or who want uh, control right. um, 
or someone else controlling them is what I'm saying, or judgment from another. So atheism is an, e- is an easy way of saying that there's no supreme being out there that should control what I do and that there's no law that is given of the divine that we should believe in. Atheism um, relies on philosophy and everything else, but we're going to tackle that today. And like I said, this is very crucial uh, because a lot of believers today, young believers especially, have a hard time in defending the existence of God. Um, They know their Bible verses, they know the chapters in Scripture, but they just have a hard time using the things that are given to us in plain sight to just express the fact that God truly exists. And again, you will receive questions like, who is this God, right? Uh, Is it possible to know God? And I've heard several topics um, discussed as of late um, by some churches, and the question that raised is, can we know God? Mm. And uh, the answer is, it's a possibility, which... I don't entirely agree with Pastor right. Josh because mm-hmm. it's not a possibility because God makes himself known. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> whether you accept the fact that, you know, people receive general revelation and some specifically, uniquely to the Christian theology, at least to our theological stance, yeah. we un- we believe that God uniquely has a elect that he gives special revelation to. Right. Um, but again, even that subject, in that answer, that it's a possibility, um, I mean, it would be something that is in debates with Romans 1 that tells right. us that in cl- plain sight, God has mm-hmm. made himself clear. Yes. And so, yeah, no, God definitely does exist, but um, in terms of can we know him, we can absolutely know him because he's made himself known. Yes. Um, how do we know, and another question is, how do we know that the Bible is God's word? Is the Christian God really God? Um, so today... As much as we want to take four hours of your time, we're not going to take four hours of your time because I know that it's it's not it's not going to be good for you and your ears and for my back and and for his back because if you look at what he's looking like right now, um, it's not comfortable. It's not it's not comfortable. <laughs> um, this is the professional setup mm. we have in the office. Um, so we want to make sure that you understand these um, main concepts. So. God has given us two ways in which we can determine his existence, okay? God has given us human reasoning in which allows us to think. This is our thought processes. It allows us to examine what is true, to observe what is in reality. Uh, God has given us human reason. And we want you to utilize this human reason for you to understand the arguments that we're going to bring up tonight. The second thing is that not only human reasoning, but our conscience. Conscience is a um, self or a personal system within you that is built in, that God has given you, in which you can definitely witness uh, to the very things that are in reality. So Pastor Josh, uh, today we have a few arguments that we're going to bring up. Yes. And uh, could you just uh, sort of uh, tell us what those arguments are? Sure. Um, well, in regards about the arguments for the existence of God, uh, there are actually three traditional arguments um, that have been used in history by Christian and non-Christian philosophers in attempting to persuade people that it is not rational to reject the idea of God's existence. And um, these three arguments are actually broken down for us, with the first being the cosmological argument, second, the theological argument, and third, you have the moral argument. And I believe um, that these three arguments that we're going to be talking about is going to definitely equip um, the body of Christ and those who are seeking for truth, especially for the Christian who wants to defend um, the Word of God uh, through means of, of course, Scripture, and as well through these arguments that we're going to be discussing today. All right, and thank you for that. And yes, these three arguments are going to be very vital for us um, today, and I hope that they will help you in better um, defend the very existence of God. And so, I mean, technically there's four of them. Right. Um, uh, the 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 fourth one, which is technically the third one in order, is the ontological argument, mm-hmm. um, which is is also part of this classical arg- uh, traditional argument. Yeah. Um, but we just, for the sake of this episode, we just chose to um, 
hit points on the three main um, arguments uh, which we find will help you out. And and the ontological one uh, practically states the very omnipotence and perfection of the creator himself, yes. which leads us to believing that everything in the reality is caused of him. Yeah. And so, um, which is definitely in correlation to what we are going to be dealing with today. And we want to um, also make it clear that there are two um, distinct ways we can argue. Um, there is the classical, which is what we are doing today, and we are sort of incorporating it with the, I mean, we're not sort of, we are incorporating this with biblical truths. So um, the classical is what we use, the cosmological arguments, right. the teleological arguments, and all of that, moral arguments, proof, te- uh, proof and evidence is around us. Whereas the presuppositional um, apologetics is exactly um, analyzing the internal worldviews of each belief system mm. and coming to the end conclusion that all the false religions and all false uh, belief systems are impractical, inconsistent, and yeah. um, cannot hold on its own mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, they're either borrowing from our worldview or you just see lots of inconsistencies. So today we are going to incorporate sort of both of them and um, we'll, it'll help you, um, again, defend the very existence of God. So without further ado, um, Pastor Josh, we begin with point number one, or p- the argument number one, which is the cosmological argument. Yes. Could you kindly explain to us and just sort of elaborate what this is? Okay, so the the first argument that, uh, that we're going to be tackling is what you mentioned, the cosmological argument. And what the cosmological argument is, is that this is an argument which reasons that everything in our universe must have a cause. Therefore, the cause of our great universe can only be God. So what, what this is really saying is that if everything comes to exist, there has to be a cause to why it existed. And its existence itself is not the cause, but rather it is the byproduct of the cause which brought it into existence. So in short, when, when you come to look at everything in our world, whether it be in space, whether it be our world today, we can't deny the fact that everything is brought into existence. We can't deny the fact that everything has a function. We can't deny that everything just, you know, is not just there uh, without a purpose. So what this argument is pretty much saying that everything that comes into being must have a purpose and a cause. Exactly. And we're going to expound on this today because, um, and thank you for that, that's very important. Practically, what the cosmological argument is concerned about is that it tells us that things exist, okay? So let's use our human reasoning for this. Our human reasoning tells us that things exist. Pastor Josh used example like space, um, um, everything on our er- on the earth here. We have telephones, we have computers, we have cars, we have all sorts of things. And so it's very practical for us to understand in this belief system, which we believe that God exists, mainly for theism, that things exist, okay? Now, let me, mind, let me remind you, or let me state this, that a belief system will not be able to stand on its own if it cannot prove its very own realities. In right. other words, if you believe things exist, you're going to have to give us a basis of which where these things exist. And um, I know men like uh, Christopher Hitchings, all these uh, known philosophers and atheists, um, when they go into debates, they, I mean, at least, when, especially the debate with uh, Dr. Frank Turek. Yeah, um, yeah. When you listen to the arguments, um, it's not very much so uh, dealing with this um, this argument it's it's the questions dr frank turek usually asks um, um christopher hitchings for example is to prove the very origin of everything that exists yeah. and all that we got out of that debate really if you listen to it and we highly uh, agree uh, agree that you should listen to that debate uh, between them is uh, Chris, christopher hitchings just kept on ranting about the very unfortunate happenings and yeah. very mm-hmm. um, evil that religion brings to the world. Right, yeah. Um, so it's very, um, in, you know, it's very tough to have a conversation, especially when the answer is not, or the answers to the question you're asking is not being given. Yeah. So now, again, what I mentioned is that um, 
a belief system will crumble if there is no proof or basis of the things that we see in the re- in the reality. Yeah. So in this case, um, cosmological argument refers to the existence of things, and this is yeah. a reality that there is an existence of things. Uh, this is called as general revelation according to scripture, right? right. Um, general revelation explained in Romans 1, 19 to 20. It says, therefore, what can be known about God is plain to them yes. because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world exactly. in the things that have been made. So it's been, it's clear, um, at least to the Christian worldview, yeah. um, to those who believe in Christianity, that our God of the scripture has shown everything concerning himself by the means of general revelation, whether it be the trees, the birds, the the water, and everything else. So the basic argument of this uh, cosmological argument is that things exist. And as Pastor Josh said, that if things exist, there must be a cause. Now, Pastor Josh, here's the thing. If things exist, like our cars, our TV sets, our chairs, um, everything, for example, um, the argument that many make is that um, that these things that are self-existent or these things that exist are because of a cause. But that cause is also be- because of the things that already exist. For example, mm, right. um, people would bring up the Big Bang Theory or uh, people would bring up um, certain other um uh, material things that come to existence out of a cause. Um, so my question is, um, the real argument is, like, for instance, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. How could that take place as something that exists? Like, we have our world now. We have everything in perfect harmony now. How is everything working um, if the very main cause is uh, the matter itself the matter itself right. the things that exist so what i'm yeah. saying is um let's let's make an example um if we built a building yeah and the building didn't come to existence because of itself but the building exists because people made it so the the people who existed already are the ones that made that building to come into existence right yeah. so um if things exist is it possible that matter itself created these things that exist? Mm, that's a good question because um, in the 13th century, um, there was a certain man by the name of Thomas Aquinas. And uh, Thomas Aquinas argued that very same question that you were asking uh, in his debate. And in his argument, he had four points. The first point was everything which has come to exist has been caused to come to exist. Point number two, nothing which has come to exist can be the cause of its own existence. And point number three, everything which has come to exist is caused to exist by something other than itself. And lastly, it is impossible. Now, I want you guys to hear that. It is impossible for a chain of causes of this this kind to go on to infinity. So, in short, what he was arguing is that if matter comes to existence, then matter cannot be the cause of its existence. Mm -hmm. But as I was saying earlier, when we look at the cosmological argument, everything that comes into existence has to come by cause. And what comes into existence is not cause itself. Or in other words, matter itself is not the reason why it was brought into existence but it had to be something that transcends it, something that comes out of it, or rather not comes out of it, but something out of its scope. Exactly, and, yeah. and, and thank you for that. Especially when we think of existing material, when we think of matter, matter is not infinite, matter right. is not eternal, yes. right? So that means that everything that exists has a beginning. Exactly. So that would take off the fact that it's eternal. So let's put that in the scope of the universe. If we just put the universe into perspective, the universe has a beginning. I mean, scientists claimed in the 20th century that the universe definitely had a big, uh, you know, had a beginning. Mm -hmm. That's why they have the Big Bang Theory or you have the Christian worldview where God in the beginning created all things. So the universe, I mean, as smart as people came to be now with science, I mean, 
in ancient times this was hard because theologians were winning this, I would say winning this argument. But as technology advances, science has advanced, somehow they've, they've, they've come to the conclusion that the universe definitely has a beginning. Right. So if the universe has a beginning, there had to be a cause because the universe in itself could not be the one that created itself, right? Right. Yeah. right? So it means it's not internal, it's not infinite, because if we believe things exist, we believe there is a cause for that existence, yeah. and that means that matter in itself, as you mentioned by uh, Aquinas' uh, statements, that matter in itself cannot reproduce itself um, unless it has come from something outside of matter. Exactly, yeah. And so um, yeah. now that we're in the perspective of the universe, since the universe had a beginning, there had to be a cause. It would mean that the cause is not bound by the universe, okay? Right. So because the universe is not infinite or eternal, it had a beginning, and therefore what caused it had to be outside of it, yeah. which is beyond the natural, and it had to have been supernatural, yeah. right? Mm. So um, if we all be believe that the universe has a beginning, then it, we have to use this um, argument, at least to our um, advantage, yes. that... Um, practically what is uh, what came out of or what the universe is right now as a result of what the universe is right now has to have been because of what is outside of matter exactly. and in this case we are arguing that god who is outside of matter is what started this universe and um, that's why we have it from the beginning um, god created the heavens and the earth um, and so everything that you see around us that is self um, or that is existing um, is created by man, but man also was created um, outside of himself. Yes, the yeah. dirt was created outside of himself, and um, you would think about it this way because the Big Bang theory is it's it's not really um, a solid argument because no, no, not at all. The Big Bang theory says that we came from this Big Bang, but what Which could you say? Which came from nothing. Which came from nothing. Right. Um, one, of, one of the leading atheists slash scientists, you have men like um, Stephen Hawking, you have men like Lawrence Krauss, uh, Richard Dawkins. Um, a lot of these um, folks uh, came on to say, and I've heard their interviews, you can actually search them up on YouTube, and um, they came on to say that it's possible that nothing plus nothing can equal something. And uh, I think that that is a very clear indication of, as what the Bible teaches, a great suppressing of truth. I mean, it's, it's very clear that the things that are is God's way of showing that, hey, I exist. I'm here. Now, in regards about those scientists who say that zero plus zero equals something, which of course would be um, intellectual idiocy, um, there are men, however, there are scientists, men like Albert Einstein, and uh, in the early years of Albert Einstein, uh, when he was dealing with the theory of gravity, he came with um, this theory of gravity known as general relativity. Now, just to make this very complicated theory uh, short, uh, based on his calculations and theory, it brought him into a conclusion which he was afraid of. And that conclusion was, our universe was expanding. And if our universe is expanding... This means that if you congeal it, well, it was like 100 million years ago, 200 million years ago, or whatever millions of years, of years ago, then this would mean that it would have a beginning. It would have a beginning. Now, he was troubled by this because he had his own biased presupp uh, presuppositions that uh, because at that time he was a scientific materialist. He didn't believe in, in that stuff. He just believed that all things came as they are. Mm -hmm. Zero plus zero equals something. But then because of his calculations, it led him uh, to conclude that our universe is expanding and therefore it must have a beginning. And uh, another interesting fact is for those who are listening, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with uh, Edwin Hubble and the Hubble telescope. Mm -hmm. Now, the Hubble telescope and Edwin Hubble himself, uh, what he found out was that based on his studies, there was something called the red shift. Now, this redshift, also known as redshift data, is that when he was studying the galaxies, he started to notice how there was one light shooting to another light in regards about the galaxies and as well as planets. And as these uh, two galaxies or two planets are shooting light at each other, he started to um, 
to to do research on what does this astronomical language what is it projecting and he came to to conclude that the reason why these lights are shooting at each other at such a different spectrum and way is because the galaxies are actually moving away from each other which would then mean that if they are moving away from each other our universe then is expanding so edwin hubble ended up uh, calling albert einstein and you'll actually see the photo of this that uh, he went on to meet up with Hubble and Albert Einstein then admitted by saying that for him not to see that the universe was expanding and for him to presuppose that all things came into being with zero plus zero equals something was in fact his greatest blunder. So I believe that um, if these scientists will only become truthful and not just come with a presupposition that zero plus zero equals something, I believe they'll come to the same conclusion that Albert Einstein came to. Yeah, and Albert Einstein, um, he was a very smart man, but he ended up uh, still believing um, in a God, although it's more deism rather than theistic, uh, believing that uh, God is ex it does exist, but he doesn't involve himself uh, with the world and everything else. Um, but That's kind of weird, but... Yeah. Well, <laughs> you'd think, <laughs> but even the smartest people can come to those conclusions uh, by general revelation, Yeah. right? They don't have everything in concerns to God, but they uh, definitely can come to that conclusion. Now, here's an interesting statement that I read in the Science Digest um, in an article uh, called The Accidental Universe. Mm. Um, this is what they say. It states that our universe is simply one of those things that happens from time to time. So um, I know Christopher Hitchings uses this argument um, where it could be seen that galaxies or universes are being made from time to time. Yeah. Now, the issue we have with that is, again, with the things that exist um, right now, like uh, let's just speak on mere humanity. Right. If we are to believe that these things happen from time to time, um, it's, it's amazing to me to think that randomly um, we have laws, educational system, governments, sociology, morality, right, human right. endeavors, human yeah. relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so to think that these things happen from time to time, um, again, in their worldview, they assume that this is not the only uh, universe. There's multiple uh, because there's multiple big bangs or multiple random occurrences and accidental happenings. Right. Um, but if we believe in that lie, then we practically deny uh, the very uniqueness of human endeavor, relationships, uh, our laws, sociology, government, and everything else of the above. Um, so it, this first argument, I think uh, we've we've already nailed the point here that um, based upon the things that exist, yes. there is a cause. Mm -hmm. And if the universe has a beginning, as um, non-believers believe that, scientists believe that, um, astrophysicists believe it, the smarts of the world today believe that the universe had a beginning. Exactly. That means um, we can use our human reasoning and we don't have to be an astrophysicist or a smart philosopher to believe in this. Not at all, no. Um, we don't have to be that smart. I mean, we're not, <laughs> I would use the word, we're not stupid um, people No. to neglect the fact that we, again, with atheism and what they believe is, it's either all of these things happen because of the fact that it came out of random accident or we can hold on to something outside of this beginning started everything. You know, it's interesting, uh, Pastor John, because they did a study, um, this man's name is Penrose, and he did a study of what are the chances that our universe came into existence by chance. And uh, in his data, it came up to be one out of the 10th power to the 10th power to the 10th power to the 60th power. So in other words, the chances is pretty much impossible for it to come uh, through means of chance. So as what you mentioned, human reasoning, definitely uh, we can use that to our advantage in knowing that uh, everything has a purpose. Exactly. And um, again, to us, our worldview is God created everything from the beginning. And even Christopher Hitchings, uh, Richard Dawkins, these men, 
they will not tell you that um, that they are utmostly denying the existence of a God because mm-hmm. they will tell you themselves, according to their debates and their articles, that right. they do not utmostly deny it. It's just it cannot be proven. This is their main argument that they believe that the Christians have much more of a heavier responsibility to prove right. to prove that God actually exists from our worldview. Yeah. Um, or, and they can sort of sit back and just relax because they don't have to complex things or complicate things rather. Yeah. Um, so uh, looking at it in that perspective, um, they don't utmostly deny God um, completely. So because the reason is, um, let's just make an example. Um, if someone says, I don't believe that there is red spotted eagles in the universe, that's a big statement because um, you could perhaps, I'm, I'm not, I don't even know if these things <laughs> exist, but anyway, um, perhaps you could find them in one section of the world. But to say that there's none in the universe would mean that you have to go throughout all of the You've universe. You've searched it all. You've searched the whole right. universe. No one can to, make that claim. To prove that it, it doesn't exist. Right. So my point is to say that God doesn't exist means you have went through the exactly. entire universe right. and yeah. proven that that belief system is false. Yeah. So this is why men like the, uh, Richard, uh, uh, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchings, they cannot utmostly deny the existence of God. Yeah. They just don't have enough empirical evidence uh, for themselves um, to prove that case. So um, again, why our argumentation is stronger that we believe, and obviously we're going to be biased, but it takes much more faith to believe that matter created itself when it cannot be proven right that matter created itself yeah um so it's just it's just a, a big fat lie to mm-hmm. be honest so um let's move on to the second argument that we have here what is the second argument that we have to um, help our brothers and sisters well i always get tongue tongue twisted with this one but uh, the second argument is the teleological argument there you go teleological argument and this actually comes from the greek word telos which is end goal or purpose And uh, this argument argues that our universe, in its order, harmony, and design, gives evidence for an intelligent purpose. Therefore, there must be an intelligent and purposeful God who created it to function this way. Exactly. So um, there must be a purpose for everything that is made. Yeah. Um, So... um, the universe, per se, for in this argument, would be the design. Yes. And in order for us to have a design, there must be a design giver right. or a purpose giver. Did you want to expand on that? Yeah. Like, for, for, for example, uh, when you look at the things that are, uh, whether it be our world or it be in the universe, like, if you just look in space, just space alone, the galaxies, and then you see the stars, and you see the sun and the moon, and the earth, for example, it is all proven to be designed in such a certain way, or we could even say it's in a certain order and harmony that just for example, the sun, if the earth were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any further away from the sun, we'd pretty much have an ice age. So we see here how this argument is pretty much saying that everything is working in harmony, everything is in its order, and because if it's because it's in its order and it's designed that way, there has to be a reason to why it's designed in that specific fashion and manner. And therefore, there must be an intelligent and purposeful God who created to function this way. And another thing I would also like to add on is the DNA in the human anatomy, the DNA. And uh, there are actually men such as Bill Gates and uh, Richard Dawkins who have admitted that the DNA is uncannily computer-like because of how it functions by generating codes that then causes it to produce new proteins and amino acids. And of course, any person who is in the field of programming would know that when a software is given a specific function, it needs codes. And codes need information. And that information can only be received from an intelligent mind outside of the software itself. So just just the fact that it needs information 
Um, it just can't just be from itself. It mm. has to receive it from an outside source, like the hieroglyphics, mm. the Rosetta Stone. Um, that's information. But we can't say that that stone produced that information on its own. Right. It was put there. So that is one of the many arguments for uh, the second point. So the the uniqueness of the universe, the uniqueness of humanity, the uniqueness of all of what is, um, is so it's so purposeful. There's a unique design to all of it. Yes. And so therefore, that mean that means there has to be a purpose giver, a designer. Again, you used um, you used a uh, computer, yeah. uh, for example. In a computer, when behind a computer, it didn't make itself. There was a designer. The computer has sent messages to it that it could function on its own properties. Right. So, right. I think with human reasoning, it's very clear for us to argue that the computer was not created itself by itself. Um, the very microphones that we're using uh, did not just come to life on its own. Right. There was creators, uh, men who created it. Um, now, you brought up Richard Dawkins earlier regarding to the DNA. And the DNA, again, as you mentioned, is one of the greatest evidences of uniqueness yeah. when it comes to uh, humanity. Yeah. And so, again, going back to the Big Bang Theory that all of this came from nothing, is it's very silly. Now, yeah. um, it, <laughs> I highly agree that you should all also um, uh, refer to uh, Dr. Frank Turek and Norman Geisler's book that it takes more faith to, uh, uh, sorry, I do not have enough faith to, to be believe, to be an atheist. Right, yeah. um, and that book is amazing also because to think that nothing or matter came from nothing wouldn't take a lot of faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes more faith in believing in God created from the beginning. Um, so uh, Richard Dawkins in his, in his book, The Blind Watchmaker, in page 116, he actually says, and I quote, there is enough information capacity in a single human cell to store the Encyclopedia Britannica, mm. all 30 volumes of it, three or four times over. Now, the Encyclopedia Britannica has 32,640 pages all in all. Wow. And what he's claiming here in page 116 is that in one single human cell, it can store to about 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica yeah. three to four times over. over. Right. <laughs> so yeah. um, if you think about it, the very uniqueness of DNA, mm -hmm. um, how it's either that random accident was just so unique that it placed everything in order. Matter of fact, um, leading astrophysicists will tell you that if there was anything missing from the universe, it would just all fall. Yeah, It would not come into place. It will not function well, but everything in the universe, it's just perfectly made. Um, and like I said, it takes more faith to accept the thought that these things may have come through random chance. Uh, with this much design, it is difficult to believe that we are just simply an accident. I mean, going to scripture, the Bible says in Psalm 139, 14, it says there, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. You want an explanation yes. to DNA? That's that's exactly it. Well, Psalm yeah. one thirty nine fourteen, um, Psalm nineteen. The heavens declare the glory and the handiwork. The skies proclaim your handiwork. So yeah. it's very clear on that end. You know, like now that we're talking about the Big Bang, you know, it's interesting because um, a Christian apologist, uh, Doctor William Lane Craig, he said, "Let's say that the Big Bang did happen, but then the Big Bang, if zero plus zero equals something, that would be a miracle." And that miracle would then be God. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it, it, it really falls and it, it really crashes. And, you know, just to add on as well, um, even though there are scientists, and uh, I know you brought up uh, modern science, but actually the one of the founders of modern science, uh, I believe some of you are familiar with this man by the name of Isaac Newton, mm. in his general scolium to the Principia, this is what he says concerning about our universe. He says... Though these bodies may indeed continue in their orbits by the mere laws of gravity, yet they could by no means have at first derived the regular position of the orbits themselves from those laws. Thus, it could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Mm. And that's with a capital B. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. And there you have it. In arguments on our end... Our worldview is much more logically um, understood 
Yeah. If we, it's just a question of logic. To think that things are uniquely made. I mean, this is the unfortunate side of things when you have leading physicists, astrophysicists, philosophers, but uh, they will result and conclude that nothing created something. Right. And that's just totally illogical. Yeah. It's just so hard to believe that, again, and those things don't happen. No. Those things don't happen. No. If you go in within the universe, they say, I mean, again, going to that um, science di digest, that it says it happens from time to time. If you think about it, why isn't it happening within creation itself or matter itself? For instance, yeah. humanity. We're recreating ourselves, right? Uh, but this is not from nothing. Yeah. We are recreating ourselves. And then, again, it's just a big long chain that at the end of it we're going to start thinking where did this all come from right yeah. so if we go to the spinning rock from the big bang where did the rock come from mm. and if they say it came from this where did that come from so it's a never-ending chain right that yeah. leads to someone who caused it which is a like you said quoted earlier a very unique and intelligent mind um, outside of it you know it's interesting because um, um, atheists have uh, actually uh, looked upon this man by the name of Anthony Flew. Yes. And Anthony Flew, who was the world's most prominent atheist for the past 50 years of his of his time, yes, had become convinced mm -hmm. based on recent scientific evidence that there was a god. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what he went on to say. I now believe that the universe was brought into existence by an infinite intelligence. Right. So you mentioned infinite, mm -hmm. an infinite intelligence. I believe that this universe's intricate laws manifest what scientists have called the mind of God. I believe that life and reproduction originate in a divine source. Right. And just to add on as well, um, you have Robert Jastrow, another respectable uh, scientist who is the founder of NASA's Institute of Space Studies. He went on to say concerning in his book, God and the Astronomers, page 14. Astronomical evidence leads to a biblical view of the origin of the world. Right. The essential element in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis is the same. Mm. So, I mean, the scientific evidence for the biblical account of creation, he says there's astronomical evidence and the biblical view of the origin of the world and so on and so forth, they all mesh well. Right. They don't contradict each other. Mm -hmm. So we could say that real science supports the existence of God. Right. So, um, yeah, I just find that quite interesting. That, and that, that, that's, uh, that's true. True science will support what is, right? And right. that's why we mentioned earlier that a belief system that cannot hold to itself the basis of what is, which is the reality, will crumble. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, men like Anthony Flew, which was, again, like you said, a notorious uh, philosopher of his time, um, nearing his deathbed only, I believe in the at the age of 87 when he died, but nearing his deathbed only, w did he take back everything that he said regarding yeah. God's existence? Yeah. I mean, he did end up uh, following Albert Einstein's path in deism, which... Mm. They don't believe in God's involvement on the earth, which is in, in you know personal relationships and whatnot. But they, he believes that there is a God out there, which right. is which is what stunned a lot of his followers. Yeah. Um, and it was this very argument actually that converted him. That how do you say it? The teleological yeah. argument. Teleological. Uh, you guys get what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this very argument in itself is what um, converted him yeah. to believing in a God. Um, and so um, what he actually said is that everything that is in the reality has led there. Yeah. True science leads to God because if you believe in a beginning, there has to be a cause and there has to be a purpose within this exi these existing things in matter. Therefore, what created it has to be outside of matter and it's the designer, the purpose giver, God himself. You know, you, you mentioned matter and that's, the very, that's a very important thing because even in the law of physics... The law of physics, they teach us what energy and matter does. But the law of physics do not teach us what, where energy and matter comes from. Right. So again, true science observes what is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that uh, anyone has ever observed the existence or the origin of the universe 
except God himself. Exactly. And so um, we hope that this argument in itself, uh, this point, number two, um, this purposeful argument that tells us that everything that is existing has a purpose is uniquely lined, and therefore uh, there has to be an intelligence behind it, an, inf- an infinite, eternal God who is behind everything. Yeah. And so um, did you want to say anything else in terms of this point, Pastor Josh? I think uh, we, we pretty much exhausted it, um, at least to what I know. So. Great. So we move on to this uh, third point here, which is um, one of the big ones, actually, of these yeah. three, um, so, of yeah. the four class of, uh, classical arguments of apologetics, is the morality argument. Mm. Um, and uh, what is this morality argument, Pastor Josh? So the moral argument, um, this argument argues from a moral standpoint uh, where man has a sense of what is right and wrong Mm. and how justice ought to be served where it is needed. And therefore, because there is an objective moral sense in man of what truth is, there then must be an objective moral law giver, which is God. Right. So again, uh, what you were saying is that everyone... All people have a sense yeah. and recognize a moral code. Exactly. And like you use the words, the big words here are right and wrong, good or evil. Yeah. Um, now, what, logically, if we think about it, anytime we speak on what is right or wrong, we have to appeal to a higher law. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know Todd Friel on his show, Wretched, he, had a, he was in a university campus and he was speaking to this one gentleman and he was asking that uh, that one young fellow, uh, where do we get these concepts of right or wrong? And he said that we get them from people. We get them from the government. We get oh, them from our national standards, right? Yeah. Um, now he then asks, where did the government get it? Mm. Where did these national, where did these nations get the definition of right or wrong? Yeah. And then he used an example of, uh, beating a child, beating mm. up a baby. Right. Um, if we agreed that beating up a baby was right, the audience might say right now that that is extremely a no-no, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because morally, they recognize that that is wrong. Yeah. Beating up a child is wrong. Mm-hmm. So the question is, where did this all come from? Yeah. Right? It Could it have been the government? Could it have been? And, and the young fellow answered and said that uh, it was taken from religious teachings and, and whatnot, which is very inconsistent anyway yeah. within that type of worldview. Um, but just to think about it, let's go back to the beginning of time or the beginning of everything where yeah. the first human being was on the earth. Um, again, evolution, <laughs> when, with, with evolution being in mind with the other worldview that we came from animals, um, which... Obviously, we re- highly reject, um, but it's this is what's inconsistent about that worldview. Again, is that if evolution were real, the animal again there's microevolution and there's evolution. There's a distinction between these two categories. Whereas yeah. uh, microevolution, you sort of adapted and uh, evolved uh, according to the environment and whatnot. Natural selection. Uh, natural yeah. se- Darwin's theories, right? right? Yeah. Um, and uh, also keeping in mind, Darwin also had a doubt about his theory, uh, mm. but he held more closer to what he thought was uh, was real. Yeah. Anyways, the thought that we came from animals, mm. right? Not only that we come from nothing, we came from this big bang, everything is uniquely in line, and suddenly these animals or fish is where we began. Um, could you believe it? We all began from fish. And um, these fish ad- evolved as the environments changed, and we suddenly became human beings with morals. With morals, yeah. We that fish hmm. who kn- who knew nothing right. started believing right and wrong, and they just started this moral standard suddenly mm-hmm. um, because they're adapting to environment. So. Right. I think the issue is that we're involving sociological matters with evolution. For instance, um, morals, right, is involving right and wrong Mm -hmm. based upon what is considered right or wrong by a nation or whatnot. Um, If we are going to argue that evolution, animals, grew up this, this and built up this moral standard, it almost seems, not almost, it actually is very silly to think that what's happening in our world today yeah. 
is because of what they believe is evolution. It's yeah. very inconsistent if we come up with morals, especially if we think that we came from fish. Yeah, you know, like now that you mentioned um, animals, it's going to involve like the the lifestyle in the animal kingdom. Um, let's say, for example, one of the, one of uh, many atheists believe in natural selection. Okay, now the purpose of natural selection is to adapt and so on and so forth. But the whole purpose of this theory is survival of the fittest. Right. Now, if we came from animals and you look at the animal kingdom, it's survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. Now, if we take the argument that we get our morals from culture to culture, country to country, and then it's just transmitted from one generation to the next. If one country says that uh, hurting babies is wrong, but another country says hurting babies is technically fine. Exactly. Then morality, or we could even say truth itself, becomes subjective. Mm -hmm. Now, if natural selection is in fact true in the sense of there is no God, everything just came to be as it is, and so on and so forth, natural selection and morality are actually going to clash against each other. That's right. Why? Because natural selection, by its theory, is survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. And by killing off the human race would be the right thing to do in their worldview, if they say that hurting a baby is wrong, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's survival of the fittest. Right. So again, that worldview crumbles on its own and it becomes inconsistent and subjective. Right. And Christopher Hitching's argument with that question regarding morality is that we are one of the rarest species, uh, species that were not um, extinct. Mm. And so because we survived, we grew how to love one another. We learned each other. We mm. learned how to survive together. Right. Um, well, that doesn't explain the murders. That doesn't explain the Holocaust. That doesn't, again, as you mentioned, natural selection, the survival of the fittest, it doesn't fit no. with that um, type of worldview. Exactly. Because if uh, you think about it, again, it, if we think the Holocaust was wrong, for example, what if Hitler thought that was right? Exactly. Right. Was he wrong for it? Was he wrong for it? If right. we are going to use that worldview that um, this has just come up and that we learned from each other, it becomes very, morality is very subjective. It's yeah. not objective, mm. right? Well, the Bible tells us that morality is objective. Yes. I mean, according to Romans 2, 14 to 15, in context, when Paul was speaking about the Gentiles' knowledge, because the Jews had the law, whereas the Gentiles didn't have the law. And in the second chapter, it says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. So yes. the Christian worldview tells us that there is a law that is known by the world, by all of humanity, and they recognize it because it's written in their heart. Exactly. They just don't know it. Right. They recognize. You don't need to go to Canada or to the uh, first, uh, you know, these developed countries to learn this type of education. You could be living in a jungle somewhere, and when you see that a baby is being punished or a woman is being raped, even the jungle people know that that is a wrong thing because in their hearts, like we said, the internal built-in system, our conscience tells us that that is wrong yeah. because God made us in his image yeah. and we know exactly the, uh, the distinctions between right or wrong. So if we go on to the worldview that God does not exist, that there's no lawgiver, then morality means nothing. Right. Yeah. It means that love, joy, or sadness, our anger, our laws, they're nothing. We can do anything. It's free for all. Mm. So without a lawgiver, humanity will definitely be extinct. Yeah. Uh, but because there is a lawgiver, according to our worldview, which is much more easier and much more understandable, that God gives his law, then that means we are able to punish the criminal. Yeah. We are able to do justice, fight for justice to those who are doing wrong. Because again, with God giving the law, his law tells us exactly what is objectively wrong or right, whereas yeah. the other, who doesn't believe in the lawgiver, we're just guessing what's right and wrong. You know, Pastor John, I, I believe that majority of the leading atheists, the reason why they are what they are is not because of the scientific so-called evidence that they've come to. I think most of the reasons why they deny God is really because of morality, of their moral views. Yeah. For example, um, 
God does not exist because there's suffering in our world. Mm-hmm. God does not exist because there are people who has lost a loved one. Right. So um, there's that. Uh, God does not exist because there's so much war and there's no peace. But if you come to think about it, from a naturalistic materialist point of view, why would that even matter? Exactly. Why would that even matter? Why, why would it be wrong for there to be suffering? Right. Why, were, why would death be wrong? Where are, the, where are we getting this from? Yeah. So again, it all crumbles down and it becomes subjective. And I've heard one argument um, from Richard Dawkins. He said, uh, the reason why people believe in God, because if you live in this country and you grew up in this home, therefore you automatically become religious. Mm-hmm. Or if you grew up uh, during the times of uh, the medieval age and you lived in this part of the world, you would believe in Thor and so on and so forth. But then... That type of theory is considered by many philosophers as an amateur theory, and it doesn't hold up. And they call this the genetic fallacy. Mm-hmm. They call this the genetic fallacy, um, which would indicate, of course, that just because you grew up in, 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 in some areas that you automatically believe in that. Right. Because we know that's not the case. There are people who grow up in Christian homes that lead up into atheism. Mm-hmm. And there are those who grew up in an atheist home that lead up into Christianity. Right. So you, you see a fallacy in, uh, in their theories. And then truth then becomes, in their worldview, inconsistent and subjective. And false religions is another topic, another subject for another day, which uh, if, we, if they add in the question, why are there so many religions out there, depending on where they live in the world? Yeah. It, again, that's another a topic for another day, mm-hmm. but the main concept of, of this more, more this argument, point number three, is where did it all come from? Yeah, right. These laws of right and wrong, mm-hmm. um, aside from the government laws and standards and whatnot, where did it all come from? Right, because if if we believe in morality, and Jeff Durbin uses the term, if we believe, or if uh, atheists believe, we're all stardust. <laughs> he uses that term. Then that means we shouldn't care for living with our wives. We shouldn't. Uh, feel like we should get married, settle down, have children, have financial savings and whatnot. Yeah. How does nothing turn into that? Right. Especially a fish, if we believe in the theory of evolution. Yeah. So, um, I think it's it's clear that our morality is a big point. Yeah. To prove that um, the reason why we have these things, and again, like I said, observe what we're saying. Our belief system, observe it. We can explain to you why we feel sad, happy, mm-hmm. do right and wrong, good and yeah. evil. Yeah. Because there is a lawgiver. God gave his law. Yeah. The atheist who denies the lawgiver cannot provide a firm basis on origin or morality right. and the purpose of life. Yes. So without God, there would be no objective purpose for our life at all. Exactly. There would be no morality. Right. And there would be uh, no use for everything else that comes along. Yeah. So, yet these are things in our plain sight. Uh, there is a God. There is a God, yes. He is real. Yes. And He does exist. Right. And um, just as I was saying to you earlier, the <laughs> vacuum has turned on. <laughs> we, were, we were hoping for a dramatic ending to this uh, yeah. episode. And but there's even a reason why she's here too. Oh, oh there you go. She, she didn't come out of nowhere. No, she didn't. There's a reason why she came here. Yeah, because so. we had the podcast <laughs> right now and she wanted to make noise. Uh but anyway, sorry, we're being silly. Um, there, things are in plain sight. Mm. There is a God. He is real and he does exist. Yes. And um, Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says in, the, is, in his heart, There is no God. There is no God. Yeah. Um, I mean, we close this episode by telling you that the Christian worldview, the Bible, tells it very plain and simple. Genesis 1, in the beginning... God, God created the heaven and the earth. Yes, yes. Should we complicate ourselves in thinking that there is something other than that? That really, no, no, the, the real explanation is that we came from nothing. Mm. I mean, just sit down, close your eyes and think about that theory. And you're going to laugh of how foolish that worldview really is. Yeah. And it just ends up crumbling. Any closing remarks, Pastor Josh? As scripture says in Romans 1, professing to be wise they themselves became fools and uh, i believe that if anyone who's listening to this podcast this is very topic that we're tackling if you are seeking for truth that truth is eventually going to lead you 
to the one true God. And that one true God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that one true God came down 2,000 years ago in the flesh, in the very person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He walked this earth. He had a three and a half year ministry. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. And his death on the cross is to reconcile sinners such as you and I to God that we may not only live for him, not only that we worship him, not only that we be forgiven of our sins, but to know the one who started it all. As what Pastor John said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord. And, and definitely uh, God exists and he wants himself to be known. And that's exactly what Pastor Josh just mentioned. He just stated the gospel there. And God exists and he reveals himself through general revelation, through special revelation. He's given us his word mm. and it's in scripture. So again, we're not uh, top end leading apologists or, any, or anything. No, we're, close. we're nothing close to <laughs> William Lane Craig, uh, to Dr. Frank Turek, James White, none of them. Yes. Yeah. We are, again, it doesn't take a high leveled, high um, highly known notorious apologist to figure these things out. Right. Um, the Bible says simply in Romans 1 that even normal people like us that are not that smart, we're not stupid to think that nothing evolved into something. And so God definitely exists and we hope by those three classical arguments, the cosmological, the teleological, and the moral arguments have proven to us that there is a cause for all of the things that exist. Amen. They are purposeful because of a purpose giver. Yes. And we can have objective standards of morality because of the law giver. Mm. And so we hope that that helps you with your dialogues and your conversations when you do speak with your friendly neighbor atheist or, or your, uh, your friends who just don't uh, believe in God right. because of the things they see. Um, it's more logical to think that God was the beginning than thinking nothing exists there. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, we are so thankful, Pastor Josh, that you have joined us for this episode. This is not the last for sure. Um, I mean, this was very, uh, an enjoyable experience and um, just seeing how your back is probably aching right now. <laughs> it was um, a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you. And um, we, we hope to hear from you again next time. Uh, for those of you who have not yet followed us on Instagram or Facebook, feel free to follow us at Captives of Truth and visit us at www.captivesoftruth.org. If you loved what you heard today and you loved having Pastor Josh, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this episode. Maybe... Um, you, you, you might email me and say that, you know, you're boring by yourself. Have Pastor Josh more. Um, <laughs> please do email us on the website and we'd love to help uh, encourage you and grow uh, this, this, uh, this, this page. Amen. And so um, thank you for everyone for tuning in with, this, with us. I mean, uh, we tried our best not to make it too long, but we hope that this has helped you. By the grace of God, we send you out and we pray for you always to have a blessed week. God bless you guys. Amen.